You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can look with me this morning to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, so the Gospels, then we come to Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and this little book of Galatians. Today we're, we're continuing our study there in the worship guide. There's uh, kind of a study guide to go deeper that our communications department has put together. So hopefully you'll take advantage of that. It's our, it is our passion to help you continue to grow in your faith life, in your faith journey, growing deeper in God's Word. So that's what that study guide is all about so you can take advantage of that. But today, Galatians chapter 3, we want to spend some time talking about the blessing of the law and the blessing of grace. You know, oftentimes I think we think of the law as being bad. So we hear law and we think bad, grace is good. But this morning I want to challenge you as to the thought of the blessing of the law. But the, because the law is not bad. If God gave us the law, and He did... And he gave it to us for a purpose, then the law can't be bad, it has to be good. But oftentimes we think it's bad because we don't understand the purpose. Now praise God, we're living in a time, a dispensation, if you will, of grace. We're no longer living under the law, but yet the law was a blessing from God and it served a purpose. So today we're going to kind of dig into that. If you'll recall, the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to address a a crisis that was happening in the early church. The major issue that that Paul is addressing is that the Judaizers were adding the keeping of the law as a means of being right and being approved by God. Grace, Grace alone was not enough. They were trying to add their works to the process of gaining God's approval. Now, for those of you who missed this in the prior weeks, the Judaizers were a group of Jewish believers, Jewish Christians who had been trained by the law. They grew up under the law. So the law had kind of shaped their thinking, their values, their living. And they came to know Jesus Christ as the Messiah. They come to experience the wonder of God's saving grace. So they're saved, yet they're still living under the law. They couldn't get away from the law. So they're trying to mix the law and grace. And out of that, they've created this this, um, false theology that they're trying to push on the Gentile believers. So there's this, um, they're promoting this, relationship with God through law and grace, not just grace alone. And so Paul is bringing this statement, this clarity of we're saved not by our works, but through grace as we put our faith in Christ. Now a big part of the issue that was causing conflict and division was this issue of circumcision, which is again a part of the law. The Judaizers were adamant that you could not be saved, you could not be right with God as a male if you were not circumcised. It's like circumcision was um, the identifying quality or or how, how you would be defined as being a follower of Christ. And Paul clearly addresses this in, in Galatians 5. We're going to be in Galatians 3, but let me read a, a couple verses from Galatians chapter 5. Paul says this, he says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. Now, the issue for Paul here is not 
so much about whether you were circumcised or not. What Paul was trying to say is there's no longer the requirement of keeping the law or the law being a prerequisite to salvation. And that's what, that's what he was addressing here to the, to the Galatian believers. But while we're talking about circumcision, I, I want to share with you something that was sent to me this past week about the problem some, some churches were having with squirrels, this infestation of squirrels in the church. Now, this is not a rabbit trail. I'm actually going somewhere with this. That's connected to the sermon, if you're wondering. But I want you to listen to how each of these churches addressed the squirrel problem that they were having. The Presbyterian church, and if you're Presbyterian by background, you'll fully get this. The Presbyterian church formed a committee and called a meeting to decide what to do about their squirrel infestation. After much prayer and consideration, they concluded the squirrels were predestined to be there and shouldn't interfere, and they shouldn't interfere with God's will. The Baptist church, if you have a Baptist background, you'll appreciate this. The Baptist church, at the Baptist church, the squirrels had taken an interest in the baptistry. So the deacons met and decided to put a water slide in the baptistry and let the squirrels drown themselves. The squirrels liked the water slide and unfortunately they knew instinctively how to swim. So twice as many squirrels showed up the following week. But the Catholic Church, if you're Catholic or have a Catholic background, they had it figured out. The Catholic Church came up with a very creative strategy to address the squirrel problem. They baptized all the squirrels and made them members of the church. Now they only see them at Christmas and Easter. (laughs) Not much was heard, though, from the Jewish synagogue. They took the first squirrel and circumcised them. They haven't seen a squirrel since. (laughs) So that's how you deal with squirrels, if you're wondering. Too funny. Well, the good news for us today is that we're not still living under the law. We're not still living under these rules and regulations like, are you circumcised? Are you not circumcised? And we're not no longer living under the law. But this, this morning we want to talk about what is the law? I think oftentimes we're confused when we talk about the law. You hear a law and you have, the, you have these... Uh, you have like a perspective of what that means. Oftentimes individuals think the law refers to the Old Testament, like we're no longer living under the law, which would be the Old Testament. So we don't read the Old Testament. We only read the New Testament because we're no longer under the law. And the law is not the Old Testament. I encourage you, read the Old Testament. It would do, do you good to spend some time there. So it's, when we speak of the law, we're not referring to the whole Old Testament, 39 books of the Old Testament. When we speak of the law, we're not speaking of the Ten Commandments. It's interesting, the Ten Commandments actually came before before the law. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments before He directed Moses to write out the law. So what is the law? The law was given from God to Moses. It's not like something Moses created on his own. Like Moses sits down and says, okay, how creative can I be to come up with some 612 laws? I mean, there were, there were a lot of them, a lot of details. So they, so the law came from God. Moses wrote it down on parchment. He captured it. And it was the law, some 600 and, 
10, 612 laws that covered everything from what you could eat to what you shouldn't eat, how you should treat one another, how do we deal with sin, how do we celebrate the festivals. I mean, it went on and on and on. All these rules, regulations, guidelines that, that God gave to Moses to direct the Israelites as to how they should live, how they should process life, how they should live in relationship with God. So that is the law. Interesting, as Moses comes to the end of what would have been his time of leadership and the end of the, the, uh, the writing of the law, he gave this summary. And so I'm reading from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 24 through 27. Moses wrote these words. So it was when Moses had completed the writing Uh, writing the words of the law in the book, when he had finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take the book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stiff-necked you are. If today while I'm yet alive with you, you you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? So the law was was written by Moses as he received it from God, written on parchment, like I said. It was not placed in the Ark of the Covenant. It was placed beside the Ark of the Covenant. The Ten Commandments were, were placed in the Ark. The law was placed beside the Ark of the Covenant. So, so as we're talking about the law, we're addressing these rules and regulations that were written by Moses to direct, again, the Israelites as to how they were to process life. But it was also given to to reveal the depravity of humanity, to reveal the challenge within us, the issue that I think we all really have to wrestle with in our lives. And, And the problem we have here in Galatians is that Paul is confronting these Judaizers who who are trying to mix, again, law and grace. And law and grace are really worlds apart. Looking there to your your notes this morning, the law says this, do and live. The law says work and live, earn and live. While grace says believe and live. So what do we believe? We believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who was born of the Virgin Mary. He was crucified and resurrected on the third day. What we believe... And we live. So the law says, the rules, the regulation says, do. This is what I have to do. This is what I have to earn. This is how I achieve acceptance and approval. But grace is no believe. Believe in Christ's provision. See, the law reveals the problem for humanity, but it could not solve our problem. That was the issue. Now let's read about it in Galatians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or whatever means of technology you're using to access the word, It's also going to be the text is on the screen. But as we read this, I want you to catch Paul's frustration here. So Paul's like the spiritual father to the believers in Galatia. He was the one who brought the good news of the gospel to them. He was the one who brought them to a place of freedom in Christ. So he's their spiritual father. So we have a spiritual father writing to his children. So you you hear a little bit of that in the text this morning. It's like the frustration of a parent to a child. So listen as I read. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? 
Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Verse 6, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's obvious in this text this morning that Paul is frustrated. He's frustrated with the Galatian believers. Due to the influence of the Judaizers, they have abandoned grace for the law. So it's like they move from grace trying to live out relationship with God through the process of the law. What they had freely received through the provision of Christ, now they're trying to earn by their own effort in keeping the law. Now Paul knew this was futile. Because like before Paul became a follower of Christ, he was a good law-keeping Jewish man. His name was Saul before he was encountered by Christ and became Paul. So Paul had tried to live under the law and fulfill the law. And he was frustrated by it because what he came to discover, the problem was not with the law, the problem was with Paul. And it's the same for you and I. The problem's not with the law. The problem's with us. The law is good. The law is right. And the law is righteous. And the problem for you and I is we are not. And the good news is that God has brought provision for us. Through the provision of Jesus Christ and His death and resurrection, today we have the blessing and the privilege of grace. We no longer have to work to be accepted by God or, or achieve to be right with God. It's not about what we can do. It's all about what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Amen. Not about how hard I can work. Not about how good I can be. Because I could never be good enough. It's all about what Christ accomplished for us. That's the good news of the gospel. But from Paul's words this morning, I want to talk with you for a few minutes about the difference between law and grace. Law and grace. Let's begin with this. Let's begin with the purpose. The purpose of the law. It was God who gave the law to Moses, so it must have a purpose. Like Moses didn't create this out of his own thinking, out of his own mind. Like, how can I bring about all of these rules? No, God revealed the law to Moses. Moses simply wrote it down. So we have to begin with this. What is the reason? What's the purpose for the law? Three statements there in your notes. First is this. The law was given to reveal the character of God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at the law. What we discover is God is righteous. God is just. God is loving. God cares for the needy. All of that is revealed. We discover all of that. We discover the nature and the character of God. How? By looking to the law. So the law gives us a picture of who God is and what God looks like. Every command in Scripture tells us a story. And it's a story of who God is. Not only was the law given to reveal the character of God, it was also given to reveal the sinfulness of man and the reality of our need of a Savior. See, the law is holy, just, and good, and we are unholy, unjust, and bad. Let me ask you this question. How many of you sinned this morning as you were driving here to worship God? (laughs) Come on. I know it wasn't just me. Yeah, one hand in the back. Anyone else? Did you, did you speed? Did you run a stop sign? Did you argue with your wife? Did you yell at the kids? Did you curse someone who cut you off? 
Come on, I, and listen, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just want you to realize the depravity of your own humanity and the struggle that you have. And so what does the law do? The law reveals that the problem is in here. The law reveals that the issue is with me. The issue is in your life, in my life. So it reveals the sinfulness of man and, and, our, and the reality of our, our need for a Savior. See, the good news for us, though, is it doesn't stop there. The law was also given to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. To prepare the way for redemption. To bring, to prepare the way for hope for humanity. Galatians 3.19, if you look on down in, in chapter 3, the scripture says, what was the purpose of the law? So Paul asked that question. What's the purpose of the law? He goes on to answer his own question. He says, it was added because of transgressions, because of our sins, until the seed Interesting, seed is capital, it's capital S, until the seed to whom the promise referred had, uh, promise referred had to come. The seed here is speaking of Jesus Christ. So it's the law that prepared the way for the coming of redemption for mankind, the coming of the Messiah. So the law is not bad, it's good if we truly understand the purpose of the law. However, there is a problem, and the problem is not with the law, the problem is us, right? Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor this morning, you've got to have a smile on your face when you say this. This is what I want you to tell them this morning, you're the problem. Go ahead and tell them. It's true. You're the problem. I'm the problem. The problem's not with the law, folks. The problem's not that the law is bad. The problem is, is with us. And the problem, the problem is that the law demands full obedience, and this means obedience in all things. The law is not like this religious cafeteria where you get to pick and choose what you want. Well, I, I think I'll take these 42 laws, but I don't like those others, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do these, I'm gonna ignore the others. It's, it's not some religious cafeteria. It's all or none. If you're gonna live under the law, then you have to fulfill all of the law. In other words, and here's the challenge, if you're gonna live under the law, you have to be perfect. And here's the problem, and we all know this, none of us are perfect. And you're not perfect, and in and of yourself, in and of your own effort, you can't be perfect. That's the problem. So the law demands full obedience, and it means obedience in all things. See, the, the law reveals righteousness, but it can't make us righteous. The law reveals the problem, but it can't solve the problem. In Galatians 3.21, Paul wrote, Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? He says, absolutely not. For if the law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would have certainly have come by the law. He goes on in verse 22 to reveal the problem being our sin and our inability to keep the law. So the law reveals what's right, but it can't make us right. It's kind of like this little tool I have here in my hand. How many of you know what this is? It's, hey, thank you, Ed. It's a plumb line. So oftentimes used in construction, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of a plumb line? It gives a vertical straight line. So it tells you if a wall is straight or crooked. Well, you drop the plumb line and you can tell is the wall straight or crooked. So it can tell you if there's a problem with the wall, but it can't. 
fixed the problem. But it reveals that there is a problem, but it can't solve the problem. So it is with the law. What the law reveals is the problem. The problem's in us, but what it cannot solve them. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this medical thermometer. Everybody familiar with a medical thermometer? Every mom knows what a medical thermometer is, right? Every time their kids look a little pale, my wife grabs this piece of equipment, sticks it in their mouth. So what's the purpose of a medical thermometer? It measures body temperature, right? So when someone's not feeling well, we put the thermometer in their mouth and we tell if, we can tell if they have an elevated temperature and we can tell if they're sick or not. So this piece of equipment helps us determine, is there a place of sickness? Is there a problem? But anybody, you know, it can't fix the problem. It can only reveal the problem. And so it is with the law. The law can't solve our problem. It only reveals the problem. It cannot make us righteous. But the good news is, is that God intervened on our behalf. The good news today is that we have grace. So the law had a purpose. The law is not bad. The law is good. It had a purpose. Preparing the way of Christ. So today, through Jesus Christ, we have the provision of God's grace. So what, what does God's grace mean? It means this, is that we get what we don't deserve. Because of the goodness of God and the compassion of God and the love of God and the mercy of God. John 3.16 says it like this. For God so loved the world, He gave. He gave His Son. If we could say it like this, change it a little bit. For God so loved the world, He gave us grace. Grace that came through the provision of Jesus Christ. So grace is what? We get what we don't deserve. What do we get? We get forgiveness. We get freedom. We get a new start. We get a new beginning. We faulty, failure-prone human beings have the privilege of connecting in relationship with a living God. And all of a sudden, we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we have the benefit of joy and the fullness of all that God is and all that God has. Through His grace. Not because we kept the law. Not because we were good enough. Because again, the problem is we can never be good enough. It's the provision, the provision of God's grace through Jesus Christ. So here's the good news of grace for us today. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. If you look to Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, the scripture talks about how Christ became a curse. So no, we're no longer under the law today, nor do we have to try to gain the approval and acceptance gain approval and acceptance from God by keeping the law, which is impossible. No, what Christ bore the law for us. Matter of fact, he makes it very clear that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Listen to this statement that Jesus made. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So how did Jesus Christ, the Messiah, fulfill the law and the prophets? Well, first, he fulfilled the prophets, the prophecies. Because if you look to the Old Testament, there's all kinds of statements and prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. How we, how he would be born of a virgin, how we would be born in Bethlehem. It speaks of his suffering and his crucifixion in the book of Isaiah. There's prophecy after prophecy that Christ fulfilled. Not only that, because he was perfect and without sin, he could be a sacrificial lamb. He was the one who was without sin that was righteous. Therefore, he could die in our place that we might have forgiveness, that we might have salvation. See, Jesus, the righteous one, became sin so that we might be made righteous. 
That's the good news today. One of my favorite verses of Scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says this, But God made Him, being Jesus, who had no sin, perfect, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might receive righteousness. That we might receive what we could never achieve by keeping the law. Through the provision of Jesus Christ. So what does all of this mean for us? Let me leave you this morning with these four summary statements. The first is this. Through Jesus Christ and His provision, we're made right with God by grace through faith. So again, today we don't have to maintain the law. We don't have to, we don't have to keep the rules and the regulations. We have been forgiven and we're, we're made righteous before God all because of grace. All we have to do is simply believe and receive Jesus Christ's provision. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of your works. Not what we could do. It's not about keeping the rules. No, it's by God's grace. So we're made right with God by grace through faith. Not only that, but according to Galatians 3.14, we receive the blessing given to Abraham. If you look at Galatians 3.14, it reads like this. He redeemed us in order, or for the purpose of, that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. It doesn't say blessings, plural. It says blessing. And we would receive the blessing given to Abraham. What was the blessing given to Abraham? If you go back to Genesis, you can check this out. But Abraham believed God. He believed in the promise of God, in the provision of God, in the covenant of God. He believed and it was credited unto him as righteousness. In other words, righteousness was credited to his account. What? Through Christ, we have that same blessing. As we believe, righteousness is credited to our account. So when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sin, our failure, our past, our mistakes. What does He see? He sees the righteousness of Christ. Well, because it's been credited to our account. We receive the blessing. The blessing given to Abraham. Not only that, but through Jesus Christ and His provision, we receive the promised Holy Spirit. The last part of verse 14 says, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to talk next Sunday about the, this whole, the role of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to spend the whole uh, time of the sermon talking about the work of the Spirit. So I don't want to go deep into this this morning. But as a result of the provision of Christ, we have received what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Get this. You have the third person of the Trinity that resides within you amazing to guide you to encourage you to empower you interesting in john 16 i believe it's john 16 verse 12 jesus said this to the disciples he said hey guys it's for your good that i'm leaving so when as i leave then the father's going to send you the promised holy spirit what he spoke of happened acts chapter 2 as the holy spirit was poured out as the church was birthed So today, through the provision of Christ, not only do we have our sins forgiven, not only are we brought into a living, life-giving relationship with God, but get this, you have the promised Holy Spirit. You have that of God residing in you. So wherever you go, whatever you do, what you have God in you, with you, for you, through the provision of Jesus Christ. And I leave you with this, the fourth The fourth thing that we have through the provision of Jesus Christ is that we're united as one body of believers. 
There's no longer separation today. There's not the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. No, we're all one body, one family. It's not like, well, you know, these are the these are the Jewish Christians and everyone else are Gentile Christians. You know, these are love more and these are love less. Like, you know, if you're Gentile, you're second class Christians. No, there's no longer separation. So God, ha- God, ha- God doesn't have favorites. He only has sons and daughters that He loves outrageously, that He's redeemed through the provision of Jesus Christ, through which we have received grace. So what? There's no longer separation. We are one body. We all came through the same way, whether Jew, Gentile, whatever your race, whatever your background would be. Listen, you were saved the same way I were saved. I was saved through the, through the way of Christ. We all came through the same door. The door of Christ. So today, what we're united as one body of believers. Paul says it like this. The last verse I want to share with you. Galatians 3.28. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one. One in Christ Jesus. So the summary, the summary of all that I've said today is this. The law, the law had a purpose and it served its purpose. But Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law for us. So today, we don't have to be rule keepers. We don't have to live under the law like we're trying to achieve to gain God's approval. Through Jesus Christ and His grace to us, we're free from the law. We're free to live out a love relationship with God. And we're free to live a life that honors God. Today, today we celebrate God's grace. And God's provision. What I would challenge you to this morning is never lose sight of the wonder of God's grace. Never lose sight of what God has done to reach down to bring rescue for your life, for my life. Through the provision of Jesus Christ. So every day, every day, I, I encourage you, I challenge you, every day, live grateful. For God's grace. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today for the wonder of your provision. I thank you, God, that you so love the world. You so love the world, you sent Jesus. You saw our dilemma. It was not that the law was bad. The law was good. The problem was not with the law. We realized the problem was with us. God, you saw it. You saw the challenge. You, you saw that we could... We could never come to that place of perfection. So you acted on our behalf. And you brought grace. Grace through Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, today we, we simply say thanks. Thanks for your rescue. Thanks for your redemption. Thanks for reconciliation and restoration. All available because of grace. Not because we deserved it. Not because we had achieved to some level of earning. No, it was all because of your grace. So Lord, for that we give thanks this morning. We are humble. We're humble before your before you and your in your awesome generosity to us, your grace to us. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions and more. Visit us at gracecovenant.org.